Welcome to Peak Market Watch, bringing listeners the latest news in the commercial real estate industry. Every other Wednesday, Anton Matley from Peak Financing will interview a variety of investors, brokers, syndicators, vendors, and finance experts who live and breathe commercial real estate. Whether you are a commercial real estate professional or completely new to the industry, Peak Market Watch will give you an inside look into the state of the market from experts who know it best. Let's get into the show. Welcome to today's episode of Peak Financing's Market Watch. We speak with market leaders in commercial real estate and related services who have a close pulse on the current market environment. Uh, my name is Anton Madley, co-founder and CEO of Peak Financing. And we are honored today to welcome Hunter Charis, who is Director of Acquisitions with PPH Capital, a real estate investment firm operating in multiple markets across the United States, including Florida, Georgia, and Texas. Uh, welcome, Charis. It's a, uh, 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 Hunter, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Uh, why don't you give us a brief background about you as well as PPH Capital? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Anton. A um, little bit about me. I am based here in Dallas, Texas. I was born and raised here. Um, <clears throat> I've been in the multifamily space on the acquisition side since uh, about 2017. I started with a uh, I started with a private equity group that was based out of Tampa, and um, I was just an acquisitions analyst. So I was underwriting deals all day long. It was a big shop. We owned about 14,000 units um, across multiple states in the South. And uh, so it gave me a lot of exposure to, um, to deal flow, to underwriting, to financing, uh, to equity partners, uh, how to structure a deal, negotiate a deal. Um, so it was really, it was really um, valuable experience for me at a young age. It was my very first position um, in the multifamily space. And so over about a year and a half time period, maybe even two years, um, I underwrote you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of, of real estate deals and then I was on the acquisition team that was a part of actually running the diligence and, um, and taking down these assets. Um, since that time, I've transitioned to BPH Capital, as you mentioned in the introduction. Um, and uh, BPH is based out of LA, out of uh, Los Angeles, but I, I office out of Dallas and just um, kind of head up the acquisitions in the state of Texas and in surrounding states. We're a little bit of a smaller group. Um, very lean, um, so we all wear multiple hats, but we are um, slowly and surely kind of building our team and um, we've, we've added personnel this year and uh, we've got very aggressive uh, growth targets to hit. So um, 2021 should be a, a pretty busy year for us. Very good to hear. Uh, so just to give a, a little bit of a, a picture here from my experience of how I got to know you, uh, I, I saw uh, some of your underwritings of, of deals, right? Yes, you may not be in that market for that long, but I, I must say I was very impressed with, uh, with your underwriting skills uh, compared to what some of, of the other underwriting uh, 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 tools that we have seen, as well as the packages that were put together. Uh, so yes, you may not have been in, in, in the multifamily market for that long, but you definitely have, uh, have built up your knowledge uh, very quickly, right? Uh, so I think that's important for, for the audience to, to understand that uh, you, you have jumped right in. And as you mentioned with the previous uh, group you worked with, 
you have uh, had the benefit of uh, of underwriting a massive amount of deals and obviously with uh, uh, bph capital you have been continuing uh, to do so uh, so that's uh, that's great uh, now uh, uh, I, I would say uh, with bph I, I know that you recently sold a property here in texas uh, and uh, you did that uh, just last year, at the end of last year. And uh, as we all know, uh, 2020 uh, uh, was essentially overshadowed for everyone uh, with COVID-19. Uh, so it would be kind of interest for, uh, interesting for our listeners to hear from you how you have been able to get through through the year as, as property owners and also how it all worked out with uh, selling that property in, a, in an environment that obviously was challenging for, for everyone uh, who is active in, in commercial real estate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I appreciate the uh, mention of my underwriting skills. That was nice of you to, to state, but, um, but yeah, fast forward to 2020 and it was, it was a very interesting year um, as it was for everybody else because I mean, for us though, we were in the middle of um, both an acquisition and then getting ready, teeing up a, a disposition in Texas, as you mentioned. And I, I, would, I would say fortunately for us probably, um, we sold that asset towards the end of the, end of the year, kind of when every, I think the shock factor of COVID had worn off a little bit. Um, and, and groups were getting much more comfortable with, with the situation, with more comfortable with what we're dealing with. Um, lenders were more comfortable with it. Um, and so we experienced, you know, really a pretty normal disposition process from my standpoint. Um, now you're, you are always dealing with um, kind of the little, the little COVID contingencies that go into, you know, the daily life that we live right now with with lender financing contingencies and holdbacks and and things like that, but we really haven't felt that it impacted the uh, the sale price of our asset at all. It was a very aggressive um, bidding process. Ultimately, it came down to a few groups. Um, all of them um, were coming out of 1031 transactions and needed to place money. So um, I think that that led to um, why it was such an aggressive bidding process and. And really, at the end of the day, why we got a price that we felt great about. Yeah, yeah, very good. <clears throat> I, I think one, one, obviously, what is important in uh, doing uh, that time as a seller is that you make sure that your collections stay up. Uh, so what, what did you do there to ensure that uh, you didn't have a collection drop? And uh, obviously, that would have an impact on also on loan proceeds, potentially, if the NOI yeah. drops, right? yeah. Well, it was a couple of factors for us, um, in our opinion. Um, first of all, the, the location of the asset, the market that it was in. So it was in El Paso, Texas. Um, and El Paso really did well. Um, it's a very, it's a smaller, it's not as big as what you would imagine. It's not going to be a Dallas or San Antonio or Houston or Austin, but it's a very steady eddy market, diversified local economy. So we did not have a big tenant base that was concentrated in any one field or company or anything like that. So um, that helped with the collections as well as um, just the fact that we had really good property management. Um, so we do not uh, self-manage, we third party, all of our property management. Um, but the group that we have a relationship with has, has done a, 
a great job for us um, on that asset and all of our assets across the board um, in, in Texas. So that helped out tremendously. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great to hear. Uh, now, when we uh, obviously here, you were on the selling side. So with, uh, with a, a great performance at the asset level and uh, uh, working towards year end with multiple 1031 buyers that were bidding for the property, that was a perfect situation for you, undoubtedly. Uh, but overall, I would say from what we have seen, it was really 2020 was a multifamily at least, uh, was definitely a seller's market. And uh, I would say that was also to your benefit. So my question for you is, since you are not only on the selling side, but also want to expand, how did you experience uh, 2020 from a buyer perspective? Yeah, so, um... We came out of NMHC in Orlando this year was it's January every year this year it was uh, 2020 it was in January so we came out hot everybody you know all the brokers pushed their deals out a um, lot a lot of deal flow a lot of touring a lot of you know aggressive bidding and um, and then everything just kind of came to a screeching halt for a little while you know when when March came around and everybody kind of realized what we were dealing with um, it was just kind of a standstill. For, for a little while, uh, I would say through the spring and even into the summer a little bit, um, because what, what you had was you had buyers that were expecting some kind of, you know, quote unquote, COVID discount, um, but you had sellers who really weren't um, hurting yet or, or at all, you know, um, collections, especially in the Texas market, for the most part held pretty, pretty steady um, all the way through. So you didn't see as much of the distressed play that we all maybe kind of thought that we would see at the beginning of the year. Um, so it was kind of a standoff situation where you just had, you just had unrealistic expectations from the buyer side that there was going to be a discount there. And then I think once summer rolled around and people got on with life um, and, and kind of dealing with, with what we're dealing with, um, we realized that the market is great. You know, it's a, it's a good time to still buy. It is a seller's market, but there are still deals to be done. Um, and, and that's what we did as well. I mean, we, um, we acquired a 568 unit portfolio in Northeast Dallas, um, one under contract over the summer and closed on it in the fall. So, um, we were still buying and, and we realized that, uh, everybody else was still buying as well. Yeah. Very good. Uh, did you see any particular challenges with, with that purchase due to COVID-19? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when we went under contract on that property, um, you know, it was it was during a time when um, there was still a lot of uncertainty. So the way that we the way that we're structured is we have an internal discretionary fund that we use um, to JV with um, limited partners, right? So we're we're going out to um, a, a big stable of family offices, private equity groups, pension funds that we have relationships with. And at the time, um, a lot of those phones still weren't getting answered. You know, people weren't in the office. Um, everybody in New York was in, you know, the, the red zone, right? So everybody's working out of their apartment with, with their kids on their back. And, you know, so, so voicemails went unreturned, emails went unreturned for, from some of our typical groups. Um, so that was challenging It was challenging for a little while, but fortunately, um, fortunately we were able to find more than enough uh, equity and, and we had, we have great partners on that, on that deal. But um, so from the equity standpoint, it was challenging. And then also from the debt side, everybody's kind of dealing with the same P and I reserve 
um, that uh, that's just market standard right now. So that's something that we needed to account for. Yeah, that's a, it's a very important point, right? So I think the, uh, the advantage with that is, uh, is that it, it adds you a, an additional cushion to it. Uh, the disadvantage is that the P&I sits with the lender, right? So that's kind of the, the negative part, I would say, uh, that you don't have control over the money. But we, we always say from a lending perspective, it's actually not a bad thing that you have to, to have that cushion in place. It's just right. a question of who has control over it. And obviously, yeah. as an owner, you, you never really want that something <laughs> sits in escrow with a lender, right? Uh, so, so you touched a good point, right? Uh, so certainly March and April were, were pretty tough for everyone. And uh, we also have seen buyers getting some discounts. But uh, I would say the max that we probably saw of what was originally asked for was maybe 5% of that uh, initial price, uh, whisper price or asking price, whatever you want to call it. So it was really just a brief period. And as soon as we entered into July and August, it reversed and it became the opposite. (laughs) So so did you feel for that uh, portfolio that you... Uh, that you had to deal with uh, with other strong buying groups, or was it because you had a, uh, have have a, a, a longer track record and a stronger balance sheet with your own funds that that helped you to still compete with them? Oh yeah, no, it was absolutely a, a competitive process for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was um, there. There was an original call for offer process and. And then there was, uh, you know, your, your traditional best and final process as well. And, and yeah. we were vetted, we were vetted very hard by both, you know, the, the brokerage group and the, and the seller group. Uh, yeah. So we had to scratch and claw for that deal. And um, we had to, you know, um, exude the confidence in our abilities to close that transaction, because if, if it wasn't going to be us and there were um, other, you know, very well qualified groups that were in line to buy that, to buy those properties for sure. Yeah. Okay, so I think that when it comes to uh, being on the buying side, particularly in Texas, why right, it's hard money, and when that hard money is due, is always a a, a big issue. Uh, it's only uh, uh, has been for a while over the last few years. I think in March and April that was a period when hard money uh, went away. Uh, I do not know how it worked with your deal that you then then you that you completed, uh, but uh, where do you see in general, not specifically to that deal, but just in general, where you feel that the uh, hard money requirements are now compared to la- uh, in 2019? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it's it's right back on the table. I mean, we're kind of, you know, we were we were doing a little bit of a happy dance, you know it was like the one silver lining of, of, you know, the, the COVID situation was hard money kind of went away for a while. People weren't, right. that wasn't even a topic of discussion, but then very quickly you mentioned, you know, over the summer things kind of reversed and heated back up. And I mean, it, everybody kind of slid right back into the normal flow of things. And so to be competitive on an offer in a, you know, a major Metro and in, in Texas, like, like a Dallas or an Austin or San Antonio or Houston, you're going to probably need hard money on your uh, on your offer for sure. Sellers are going to want to see that, and if they don't if they don't see that on your offer, then um, they're probably going to move on towards offers that have that. Yes, definitely. Um, in DFW in particular, I would I would say 
uh, Texas as a whole, but certainly DFW and Austin uh, also now are on the on the map for a lot of institutional players that have not been really interested in these two markets. Uh, San Antonio and Houston is probably less so. Maybe you have seen a little bit of a different picture there when you competed for deals, but it's only DFW and Austin, I would say, are definitely now uh, clearly on the map for, for institutional players. And naturally, they are competing with you too then, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the secret is out if there was ever a secret on, on Dallas and Austin. I mean, it's, um, they're both, those are two of the hottest real estate markets in the country. So um, people are getting out of LA and, and New York is, you know, ASAP and you, we're seeing that flow of capital and we've seen it for, for quite a while now. And, you know, I, I don't know what would cause that to stop. So I would imagine, you know, 2021 to be another year of increasing presence of groups like that. Yeah, definitely. So looking into 2021, you, you mentioned that you have aggressive uh, plans without uh, giving any details right, of your secret sauce. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a, of a picture of what, what you think that uh, is going to happen and how, how you can take advantage of it thanks to your experience and purchasing power and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started with BPH back in what I guess it would have been 2019 now. So I've been here for almost, almost two years uh, in May, I believe it'll be two years in May. And in that time we've, we've acquired um, roughly right around a thousand units just in Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, and, you know, that was slow for our standards. I mean, um, it might, it might seem like that's, that's a good, a good pace, but um, 2020 we had big, we had big plans and, um, the first kind of half of the year was, was a little bit shot, you know, so um, we were able to finish off strong with that, with that large acquisition. But, um, you know, 2021, we, we feel set up to, to, to really kind of put the, put the pedal to the metal and, and expand and, and Dallas and then other markets in Texas, like, like Houston, we're, we're looking at all the time, um, San Antonio and Austin as well. Um, we'll look at secondary markets in Texas as well. We'll go to Waco, we'll go to Abilene if, if, uh, if, if, it, if it makes sense. Um, outside of Texas, we've got a deal lead who does what I do in um, Orlando, Florida, and he controls all of Florida and up into the East Coast a little bit. So we'd love to crack into the Carolinas. Um, and then we also have another acquisitions director out of Atlanta. So um, we'll continue to build, we'll continue to build in, uh, in Georgia as well. Very good. So when you talk to your uh, colleagues uh, and kind of sharing information with each other, how would you see that these three main markets uh, compare in terms of deal flow as well as opportunities to actually find a deal that potentially could work for you? Um, deal flow in all three, mar in all three markets is, is very strong. It's, uh, it's pretty constant. Um, Orlando was a little bit, um, it, it slowed up in, in, in Florida for the most part in, uh, in 2020, just given the, the, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tourist destination like Orlando, you know? Um, so Florida slowed down a little bit. Dallas is going to be Dallas as always. There's going to be, you know, constant deal flow. And, um, you know, in our conversations, Atlanta, um, the Atlanta area seems to be no different for sure. Yeah. Okay, very good. So you don't really see any big difference there, right? 
Now, um, you know, we didn't have NMHC this year in January, or we're not going to. So um, I don't, I don't know that we're going to just see a, a big, you know, floodgate of uh, of deal flow like you typically see at the beginning of every year. Um, I think it's just going to kind of be a, a slow and steady trickle, um, at least, at least from what I'm feeling and seeing right now. But um, but that doesn't mean that there's not more than enough to to keep you busy. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So I know that you are on the acquisition side, but I'm still a little bit wondering uh, how how your uh, how uh, BPH is is approaching the uh, the expiring, uh, hopefully soon expiring eviction moratoriums and all that, and uh, how you foresee that that will impact uh, the multifamily space as we move into uh, the end of this quarter and then into the next quarter. Yeah, well, you know, fortunately for us, um, we we're our headquarters is out of California, but we don't own property there. Um, so I've I've heard some pretty some pretty tough circumstances out that way. Um, but in Texas, um, we're still able to evict. You know, um, there's a process that you go through. It's a little bit more extended, um, but it's it's still it's still in process. But we. You know, we, we try to really, we try very hard to be understanding of, of the situation. And if, if tenants are willing to work with us, um, you know, we'll put them on a promise to pay program and, um, and, and kind of, and try to avoid evictions at all costs in a time like this. But it's certainly, it's certainly something that we keep an eye on at all times. You know, it's, it's a, it's a topic of conversation constantly, but, um, you know, fortunately we feel like we're in, we're in states and locations that are favorable for it. Yeah. That's a very good point, right? We hear horror stories, obviously, from California. We hear them from uh, from New York, right? We hear them from Chicago. So, yes. so all these uh, big urban centers, uh, dense urban centers appear to be the, the toughest, right? Uh, and you obviously have picked uh, three states that are uh, a combination of uh, landlord friendliness, but also very, very much growing states, right? So you definitely have picked uh, the right markets there. Uh, so that's, uh, I would say you set uh, uh, yourself up for a very good uh, uh, future, whether it's for 2021 or then uh, going forward. Uh, so do you have any anything else that you would like to share with, with our listeners? Well, what do you think will be of, of value of what you have learned over the last year with BPH as well as just through your acquisition processes? Yeah, yeah. I think um, one thing that that was kind of um, a little bit of an epiphany for, for me personally and just our group in general um, in 2020 was um, we, we saw a lot of groups and we talked to a lot of groups um, that were buying deals and they said, you know, um, we, we weren't, we weren't initially maybe awarded the deal or we weren't the top bidder. Right. But we made an offer, uh, and we presented it with confidence and we stayed in communication and, and, uh, we're seeing now that sometimes deals are falling out of contract or maybe not getting quite to the contract period after they're awarded to somebody. And <clears throat> if you had a strong offer at the start, but maybe you weren't the strongest offer and you've stayed in communication with that brokerage group and you've really followed the situation. Um, we're seeing deals come back to people. So one of our um, initiatives is just going to be to be more active in a bidding process, um, you know, on, on more assets as opposed to focusing on just one or two at a time, maybe that we really, really like, and we're going to go really hard at. 
um, just because we're starting to see groups, um, you know, come down with deals that uh, that maybe was just a process of kind of following up with uh, with with uh, with it post bidding. That's a very good point. Uh, but we certainly have seen that too. There are many deals that fall through, and some of them do not really fall through because of uh, collections dropped. Uh, or any anything else, it's it's more driven by the sponsors that somehow are not able to raise the equity or have order issues. Uh, so it's uh, it's a very good advice, right? Particularly for the ones that are experienced operators like you, uh, that uh, keeping uh, in touch with with the brokers, even though you initially lost that deal, is is very important. You never know what's uh, coming back. And we have seen that with a number of our clients that has happened over, over the last 12 months. So, and it certainly has happened much more often than before. Uh, so that, uh, that's a very good point you, you brought up here. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, very good. Uh, so I really appreciate uh, your time, uh, Hunter. Uh, how can uh, people reach you to uh, to discuss with, with you potential deals, uh, partner up with you? Absolutely, yeah. You can find me on um, Facebook, Instagram, just my first and last name, and I'll also give out my email address. It's hunter at bphcap.com. Okay, very good. Great. Uh, uh, thanks again, Hunter, for, for joining us. Uh, you, you added uh, great value here. And uh, again, uh, for everyone uh, uh, who, is, who is active in the multifamily space, uh, I think it's, it's definitely worthwhile for you if you look for a partner or uh, have uh, an asset to sell, uh, reach out to, uh, to Hunter. Uh, thanks again for, for joining us, Hunter. Absolutely, Anton. Thanks for having me on. Look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, same here. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Peak Market Watch. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on the latest episodes. If you're interested in receiving a free commercial real estate loan quote for your property, click the link in the description. We look forward to connecting with you on our next episode of Peak Market Watch.